0: Former U.S. Army paratrooper, historian,
1: and conspiracy analyst, Tony Arterburn, joined by top researchers and guests, exploring the depths of our hidden
0: history, expose the crimes and cover-ups that plague our civilization and planet, and patrol the borders of our reality. Reality. Reality.
1: From the parapolitical to the paranormal in the psychological war for your body soul and mind be me hey. a paratroother all right ladies and gentlemen uh on the line with me i have uh the host of the war room the right-hand man to Alex Jones, Info Warrior, Patriot, and of course my good friend Owen Schroyer. Uh welcome Owen. It's been too long since we've uh had a chance to talk.
2: It has not just here on your show but even in person. I guess it's been almost 2 years now. It's a shame.
1: Yes, it has been 2 years and uh I mean you could you could fool me and say it's been 10 years. It feels like in some ways, time seems like it's accelerating. In other ways, it just seems like it's just a universe ago. It's like another, another lifetime. I, I remember being on the war room with you on November 22nd, 2019. I watched a clip of that the other day because it was on my feed and we were having a conversation about what do we do going into, you know, this, this election year. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you and I already figured out that, Patriots and conservatives and Christians were being targeted. One of my responses was uh noncompliance, you know peaceful non-compliance, and they can't arrest all of us and man um <laughs> twenty twenty came around, and uh, just a we're in a completely different world, and you know that kind of goes back to um, uh, the the term and the word apocalypse means the unveiling. Uh, I'd really like to get your, you and I haven't spoken on air or on a podcast in a while. I really wanted to get your take on uh, what what are we looking at, Owen? I mean, you go back to, um, you know, we don't have to get into the specifics, but you go back to your, um, your protest and you're very active and, all, you know, very outspoken, very much on the ground, very much putting yourself out there. You know, your <laughs> trips to DC, which I love and I love that footage of, of you going to to Congress and what you, uh, what you said to Jerry Nadler uh, always great stuff, man. But uh, it seems like we're just a universal away from all of that. And uh, you know, you're still hosting the war room every day. I mean, what's, what's on your mind? How are you perceiving these events as they unfold? I mean, I know it's a big question, but I mean, what comes to mind when you think of,
2: of where we are? Well, let me first respond to that without the political frame because I was thinking about this the other day too, thinking about the concept of time and, and memories. And it's, and it's the strangest thing. I think back to when we were visiting, uh, in the summer of 2020, and it it does feel like it was, it was a long time away. It feels like it was out of arm's reach. But the funniest thing is, and I was thinking about this the other day, if I think back to like, say my time in, grade school or like my time in high school, like I have high school memories, I feel like that are less than an arm's length away, I feel like I can reach back and remember those things. And they feel more uh, recent and, and more like, uh, cemented into my memory than even things that happened like a year ago. So it's weird. It, it, it does feel like there's galaxies with all the craziness that happens on a year to year basis. It's like we're galaxies away from these things that just happened a few years ago. but somehow. <clears throat> our brain, our mind, our memory, our intelligence is so advanced that you can sit here in your mind's eye and visualize and remember things that happened decades ago, like it just happened yesterday. But that's just more of the uh, existential uh, frame of the question. But yeah, when it comes to the politics, the next big thing, right? I mean, it's the the quickening of the next big thing where you used to have maybe – four years or two years between the next big thing and it was usually based around an election season and then depending on the weight and the parameters of that election season just how heavy the next big thing was now it seems like there's a next big thing almost every year if not if not two a year and it's all political and i think what we're seeing right now is the democrats are desperately searching for whatever the next big thing is, that's going to get people to vote Democrat. Right. And and they just can't find the flavor. They just can't find the 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 energy, the frequency. And so they tried the war in Ukraine. That's not working. Um, They tried January 6th. That didn't work. Now they're trying the abortion issue and it's been an abysmal failure. So I do expect a next big thing, probably if not in June, maybe even before June, because they got to get something figured out here before the midterms. And then it becomes this weird chasm where it's like, oh yeah, it's like the timelines are defined by these things. And it's like, okay, you have the COVID timeline, you have the Ukraine war timeline, the mask timeline, the abortion timeline. And so it's like these, it's a weird new, it's a weird new way of of linear time. And it's like, the next big thing encapsulates these tiny moments in human history now when the real relevant stuff pretty much goes unnoticed.
1: I, I think that's a really apt description about, you know, you can reach back to your high school time or or even, you know, your first job or whatever. It seems like my time in the military seems some somehow closer than three years ago. And it, I think maybe it's because we were marking time by our lives. Uh, for <laughs> the better part of most of how long we've been on this earth. And then in this last three or four years, it's been marking it by events. And it almost seems like reality itself is not what it used to be. It's, you start to question everything based off of how things have fallen away. I mean, gosh, you know, you go back to, I mean, 2019 just seems like a, I, I, I look back at that time and I think, wow, you know, I was definitely preparing for this, but this is just, again, I mean, we're, ju- we're, we're not in Kansas anymore, Owen. And I, I don't, I mean, I've been talking about this with I yesterday I published the 402nd episode of the Arterburn radio transmission. I go, you know, uh, what, what do you learn in the last 20 episodes that you didn't learn in in the first 300 and some it's well, because events change. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, last week or so. And I said, Hey, look out for something to happen on May 1st. Because that's the you know anniversary of the Illuminati, and of course the celebration of communism, which is basically the same thing. And of course, guess what? It rolled out. It's it's the new current thing. You know, you get to reprogram the NPCs. You go from you know stay safe, stay home, to wait for the vax to get your vax. To oh, forget that. Now we got um, war in Ukraine, World War Three. Then they reprogram the NPCs for Roe v Wade, and it's like these events are we're we're being so reactive. I mean, mainly because we have no choice because we don't know what they're planning next. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to get in the mind of the, of the ruling goblins out there. And uh, I mean, I, I just totally agree with you. It's it's time seems non-linear in a way.
2: Well, and I think that there's this, there's this will and this, this, uh, this instinct, if you have, or that we have to correct, to correct wrongs, to correct the records. And so, <clears throat> there's all this fake news out there, there's all these delusions out there. And so we even get caught up in the trap of the next current thing, because we feel that we have to address the record and put the truth out. So, so in a way, I mean, I I try not to fall victim to this, but I can't help it. You know, in a way, the next big thing wags the dog, uh, you know, even with free thinkers, even with, uh, you know, even with people that aren't totally brainwashed, because, you know, these things keep happening. And it's like, okay, well, here's the truth about that thing. So here's the truth about Ukraine or here's the truth about COVID or the truth about this. And so we spend all our time trying to address and correct all the lies that the establishment tells us. And so even we get the wag the dog technique. And so our timelines kind of get uh, manipulated with all this propaganda. And it's it's so weird to think back on just, I mean, most, I don't know how young you'd have to be to not remember you know back in the good old days as they say it I mean I I don't know if I ever thought I'd be saying that when I was 20 but you know here I am 32 and it's like oh back in the good old days it's like back in the good old days what is the good old days well the good old days is when and and I'm I'm no component of ignorance is bliss but the good old days is when ignorance was bliss like you could tune into a sports game and not be just sideswiped by the propaganda constantly you could turn on the tv and not see all the propaganda everywhere and the sexualization and the globalist political lies and you know just just all of it it's just everywhere now i mean you know I, these kids these days i don't even know if they'll ever experience a world where anything was was uh, you know cherished you know where anything was was not totally bought and paid for by the same propaganda that you find anywhere else. I mean, it's too bad. It really There's very little things you can do now. And, uh, you know, entertainment wise, you know, have fun, whatever. There's very few things you can do now where you're not going to get a double dose of globalist propaganda. And so all these things that were so sanctimonious and and sanctuaries really for for me, and I'm sure for you when we were kids are just, they're not sanctuaries anymore. They're not they're not innocent anymore they've all been bought and paid for it's propaganda everywhere so it's just it's it's constantly consuming everything that we invest in and yeah people have the options to uh, to turn it off and not tune in uh, but that's not really uh, and that is happening that that is happening but that's still for the kids it's like okay well now what what uh, what do they do if they want to watch cartoons or watch a ball game and just everything they turn on is telling them how to be gay or how to have a trans surgery or, you know, whatever war it is or wear a mask. I mean, it's just, I can't even imagine being flooded with that propaganda or then trying to be a parent and trying to steer your kids clear of it when it's just everywhere.
1: I have a 17 year old son, uh, his name's Houston. And, uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't buy any of this stuff, you know, and I I'm really lucky in that way. He just, I mean, he rejects most of, not all of pop culture as a gen Z or so I I'm optimistic about that but I I Melissa and I my wife we have a like <laughs> as far as entertainment we go like in a time machine because I can't do new stuff like obviously guys like you and me I mean, we have host our shows we're researchers you know journalists and so I you know I've got of course wise wolf and I'm running that gold and silver I I, you know, all day long I'm inundated with information. So by the end of the day, I want to watch, you know, you know, hang out with Melissa and we'll watch an old movie or something. And it really is old movies or I'll go back to the nineties and watch old Star Trek, but there's a certain barrier that gets crossed. And I think really around about the time Obama got elected around the the 08, 09 time frame, it starts to, you can see the wokeness really infiltrating every part of entertainment. And now it's just, they turn it up to 11, rip the knob off on. I mean, it's, you can't go anywhere or do anything. Uh, you know this because, you know, you're also, um, you've been a sports commentator. And I, I want to, I want you to talk about that here in a minute, too, because you know that it's, it's everywhere. And even at the detriment, which is interesting. You know, when we were kids, we were taught, you know, it's all about the, they all want to make money. These corporations want to make money. It's all about the profit motive. But now it's not. It's not even about profit anymore. They, they just want it. They want their agenda out. They doesn't look at Disney just hemorrhaging money. They don't care. And I've been talking yeah. about this on my show. I'm like, there's things beyond profit that these companies want. I mean, w- one of them is their ties to the central bank. They really need that. And of course, central bank is ties to the agenda, which is agenda 2030. It's the great reset, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not what we were taught. It's not all profited in the woke, it, the the commun the cultural Marxism, all that's infiltrated every aspect, but Hey, we we still we still got what history, Owen. We still got you know uh, ESPN Classic. You can go watch the old uh, the old boxing matches and stuff. So,
2: <laughs> well, I'm actually the same way. I'll go. I'd rather go on um, YouTube or something and watch sporting events from the '90s or uh, early 2000s where you're just not getting inundated with the uh, propaganda or yeah, old TV shows or even old cartoons. I mean, it's just this new stuff. It's just, it's everywhere. It's not even entertainment. And I think when it comes to, you know, the profit thing, I, I guess, you know, realistically, I guess these corporations have so much money now that it doesn't even matter. They, they don't need money. They don't need to put profit over everything else because they they've got so much money now the propaganda, now the the globalist agenda, now the corporate world government is more important than profit. And I guess they figure at the end of the day, uh, ultimately, that that's going to be much more profitable, whatever whatever place they shoehorn into their role in the corporate world government. I guess they figure that's going to be more profitable anyway. So take your losses now uh, to enter the monopoly one world government world in the future. But You know, that's good news about your son. I I do have hope for Gen Z. I hear more and more like uh, stories like that from Gen Zers. So maybe there is a trend to be had there. But, man, I'll tell you, you asked me about sports, you know, I I didn't even mean to do this, but I'm just flipping through channels uh, the other day. And I used to love watching NBA basketball. I I love watching NBA basketball. you know, I liked Kobe and Shaq, and I liked watching when LeBron was young, and, and you know, I liked watching Steve Nash was always a favorite of mine, and I could watch a game and enjoy it. <clears throat> well, that 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 ship sailed a long time ago. But you know, every once in a while, you'll be flipping channels, or something will pop up, and so um, there was a there was a event that happened. I'm calling it an event, but at a basketball game the other day, and it's a Nick Sandman situation all over again where a young guy happens to be white, so that, you know, how that goes, a young guy gets lied about, and the whole media and, and, and people say that he shoved this NBA player's mother. Well, guess what? We get the footage, and there was no shove. Never happened. And this kid receives death threats. This kid, uh, you know, receives threats from players on the floor. And it's a young kid. Like, he looks like he's eight, nine years old. And it's just the whole media complex attacking him NBA players attacking him saying he, he shoved my mother. He put his hands on my mother. We get the footage. It was barely attack on the shoulder. It was like a feather touched her. So it's just, it just makes you sick. And I sit here and I'm like, man, if this, if we lived in a legitimate, in a legitimate country that, that handled things properly, the players that threatened that young, that young boy, would be suspended, fined, if not removed permanently from the league. You threaten a young fan? It's one thing if a grown man says something and you want to punch him in the face. I'm, I'm not as much against that. But we're talking about a tiny little kid here. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But no, the NBA player that threatens him is the hero, and the innocent kid is the one that gets death threats. And then, you know, the thing you said about Obama, I, I've become more and more – either aware of this or, or akin to this, that you were just saying, oh, Barack Obama was the worst thing that ever happened to this country. He took the Democrat Party and even the liberal left and turned them into radicals, radicals, wild, violent, revolutionary, anti-American communist radicals. And I guess they now had this bent to put their radical propaganda into everything, and I think Obama is still running a lot of the things behind the scenes as well. So, I mean, I, I think Barack Obama was one of the worst things to happen to this country politically and culturally.
1: I agree. You know, He's an agent of the uh, elite financial class. I mean, obviously, if you go back through history, you know this, Owen. I mean, communism is always funded by the world's richest people. They use it as an operating system and basically, you know, as a satanic operating system to destroy to take out their enemies they use that um you know that lower level antifa type and again you know obama brought that in and you fast forward all these years and you have you're talking about this incident with the nba uh i i i can see the mob mentality throughout you go back to the french revolution you can see that same type of demonic mob mentality that's supported by the ruling class and to destroy the same thing happened in the in the Bolshevik revolution same thing happened in Mao's China during the cultural revolution in the 1960s we're seeing that happen now where you get a pass as long as you're on the right side just to have the most deplorable behavior just the most wretched behavior you can do whatever you need to do as long as you adhere to these the tenets of the global globalist gods. If you if you bow down to that, you can do whatever you want. You can threaten children. You can hurt people. You can go to Tucker Carlson's house and make his family get in the pantry. You can go to Supreme Court justices. You can do mostly peaceful, fiery protests. You can do all that. But hey, don't don't go to the Capitol. (laughs) Don't don't protest an election. Don't do any of those things. You know, because then you're going to be on the bad list. So you can see that clearly there's an agenda here. It's not just that there's a free for all on lawlessness no there's a select group of people that get to do basically whatever they want and then there's the rest of us
2: yeah and I think you, you go back to the Supreme Court justice uh, private residence situation right now that that really is the perfect example uh, juxtaposing that even with the events of January 6th where I broke no laws on January 6th not a single law did I break on January 6th but of course, Ah, uh, you know, I'm going through the political persecution. The individuals that went out there to a justice's house—that—that that actually is breaking the law. If you show up, it's this is in the U.S. code that if you show up at a judge's private residence in response to a court ruling or or uh, you know anything that's developing in a court situation, then that is a crime. And it's not just them showing up; they get promoted and praised by the media. Even Jen Psaki came out today and encouraged them to keep going to their houses. I mean, that that is a blatant crime. It's on the books, and not a single person will be persecuted or rather prosecuted for those crimes. And so you're absolutely right. It's it's rules for them uh, and, and not for everyone else. And they are in the minority. But the problem is they have the deception of the mainstream media and Hollywood and the big tech complex. It's a big symbiote. So they amplify the propaganda. They amplify the views shared and represented by these fringe minority radical leftist groups. So they think they're in the minority. So they think they're justified and doing something good when they commit these crimes. When the truth is, yeah, I'd say 60, even 70% of American now knows exactly what's going on. They know the election was stolen for Trump from Trump. They know the Democrat party has gone full on Uh, radical, even terroristic. And it's just this is not being accurately reported on or represented in the mainstream media because it's the mainstream media propaganda that has those people out there in the streets. I mean, really, Tony, when you sit here and analyze it all and break it all down, I mean, it's I mean, it's hard to fathom that there's ever been a time on this planet this insane. I mean, it really is hard to fathom. And I know we have the Bible for for reference to some some wild times and and we do have history. but it's just it's it's hard to believe that that reality or or what's true and what's right has ever been such a rejected premise or notion and and to have civilization and culture now built on cornerstones of lies and fraud and delusion. I mean, it's just unbelievable. from men or women to men can get pregnant to mostly peaceful, but fiery protest. I mean, it's really hard to fathom that the, the human race on this planet has ever lived in such times of delusion and deception.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. And uh, as somebody who studies history, and I have for, for many, many years, It you really don't find a parallel to now. And, and I finally figured out why I think this is my thesis, is that civilizations rise and fall countries come and go there's a beginning there's a middle there's an end this is happens this is the human story but what we're watching is artificial it's never really happened before where you take massive amounts of wealth and power and uh you know you have the the populace and culture and you you manipulate it to to decline because how else would you take out the United States? I mean, if you go and reverse engineer this, and you go back to the seventies, which this is probably a, this is probably a three hour podcast if we if we stayed on this line of logic. But if you go back and you reverse engineer it, it's it's clear as day. I mean, you can see where the United States starts to go and decline. You know, from going off the gold standard then losing our manufacturing, and then we go off this fiat. You know, just basically we got this printing press, so you get the most corrupt politicians possible. Um, you you can't fix that, you know. You have Donald Rumsfeld coming out the day before nine eleven, saying we can't track two point three trillion dollars. I always bring that up because the next day nobody talked about it anymore. But think about the the implications of having a printing press and uh, an unlimited corruption kind of baked into the design, and then you you see where the they want to pivot to China. I mean, you, you you know, you're you're at Info Wars. This has been talked about for many many years. They want to pivot to China. They want China to be the uh the attack dog or the lead and the NWO. That's what it seems like to me in many ways. So you see that that they they're just basically getting the United States to uh to a soft landing. They, they don't they want they want to break it up, do something with it, make it a non-entity. You go look at Klaus Schwab and the, the World Economic Forum and they put out that video years ago and they're like, imagine a world where the United States is not the sole superpower in 2030. They're on the way. So again, you know, I think I think we're in an artificial decline Owen and and I think that's what makes it different. That's why there really isn't a a parallel for us to study. You know, you have this you have Rome. I Rome fell, you know, the Ottoman Empire, the British Empire. You they have we have examples, but those took, you know, centuries uh to 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 rise and fall and and we're just, you know, you go back to the end of World War II, Owen, and we were 5% of the world's population and had 50% of its wealth. I mean, that is a stunning decline that we're going through right now with just, I mean, we seem like a pitiful giant to quote Richard Nixon. We just look, we can't, we can't project power anymore. Our leaders are throwing away, you know, 70 years worth of statecraft in the last year, just, I mean, putting, putting us on a track to World War Three, and God forbid a nuclear exchange. I mean, it's, these are unprecedented times, and uh, I'm I'm glad I've got you to talk to, my friend. I'll let you respond to that, and then i got a couple more questions for you, and we'll let you get out of here.
2: Well, and to expand on that notion that um, it, perhaps it really has never been uh, – we've never been able to study it in human history because it's never happened, and I think the, the, the true aspect is that from the history that we know, there, there's never been the ability – the, the planet has never been so small, I guess, is the way I would put it because of technology. So there's never had they've never had the capability, even the largest powers on Earth that they could communicate. They've never had the ability to actually um, try to conquer the world. I mean, that's what it is. No, nobody's ever had the expansive uh, reach and power to just conquer the world without some sort of standing army you know, right. uh, without a standing army having to actually physically go into these countries and, and fight and claim the land and the resources. That's not how wars are fought now. So I don't think there's ever been a time that we could study on Earth and maybe it's come and gone. But yeah, I think you're right. There's never been a time on Earth where there's a global power structure that can work in, in terms of terabytes and nanoseconds to slowly but surely manipulate the people of the planet into a one world government system where ultimately there'll be a commodity and, and eventually just a slave or a battery, like in the Matrix. Uh, I, I don't think that. Uh, and so and so because of that, you know, humans don't humans aren't ready to, to understand it. They're not ready to accept that and do whatever is necessary to push back against it. They can't believe it. And they assume because they were raised on television that if it was going on, the television would tell them not realizing the television is a weapon being used against them. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Even, even the most hardcore power hungry, um, you know, warmongers and, and authoritarians and throughout human history, they've never had the actual ability with, with now new technology to conquer the planet without men marching in through the borders, but that is now a thing of the past. So now they can kill you with a vaccine. They can kill you with a radio wave. Uh, they can blast you with propaganda 24 seven. And that's what they do. They don't need to raise a gun. They don't need to raise a finger. All they got to do is collapse your country, put you into debt, uh, make a virus, say you're in a pandemic, put you in jail and it's over.
1: It's So true. You know, that, uh, that tagline, there's a war on for your mind. Uh, very apt, very, very astute. And uh, you know this is a sophisticated new form of warfare that's going on. I mean, look at Shanghai. People asking, you know, even that people like John Bolton are supposed to be very smart, very, uh, very, very, uh, very schooled on the the you know, foreign policy threats. And he can't see what this is. He's, oh, there's a, they're, they're locking down because of covid. OK, yeah. That's what they're doing, John. You know they're locking down because of COVID. You're, you and your useless mustache. But yeah, I just I, I don't I don't know what to tell people when they're 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 looking for old answers to new problems. That's what it seems like to me. I mean, you're, this is sophisticated. This is new. Uh, it's insidious. It's everywhere. It's a it's a spiritual and psychological war to to remake nations into a global. One world government. Uh, everything points to that. I mean, you can go back to the Tower of Babel. I mean, there's really nothing new in the goal here, but the war is different. And I think that's you're 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 so correct to hit on that point. It's 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 the new war that's being waged. It's very sophisticated, uh, and it's unlike anything we've ever seen. But I, I want to um, I want to ask you before we go. You know, you're a real person. That's the thing. Is I don't think I've heard any any podcast that you've been on where somebody said, Hey, Owen, where did you, where did you, you start from in your broadcasting career? I've always wanted to, you know, talk, we've, you and I have talked off air. We've gone and had a beer or two, you know, and I've, I've always enjoyed your friendship, but I just thought, you know, you should tell people more often where you came from because it's been a, I mean, it's really remarkable uh, what you've done in broadcasting, just watching you. I mean, cause I watched you long before we ever met and then we got to do shows together, which I'm very proud of. And I've even hosted your show, which I'm very proud of that as well. Um, You know, you, you came out of Missouri. Now I'm in Missouri. Uh, We got to get you back here soon, but you know, tell me about the, what led to you getting to, to InfoWars. And then, I mean, really in, in the InfoWars command structure, you're the vice president, right?
2: (laughs) Well, I, uh, I appreciate those kind words because I did work my ass off in media. Um, to get where I'm at today, and I have no shame in that. I'm very, I'm very proud of that. I want to, I want to raise that work ethic up and encourage others um, that you know, work ethic is worth it. At the end of the day, you're going to grind and sweat, but I believe it'll pay off. At least in this country, that's the dream. That's the, that's the concept. It's being ripped away slowly but surely. But um, yeah, I mean, I've always been in media, and before I get personal about it, the, the thing that they hated about Alex Jones first, and they kind of used to make a joke out of it. Uh, They don't like to make a joke out of it with uh, with new people because they realize they made Alex Jones bigger than they were, you know, inviting him to their studio sets and their shows so they could laugh at the guy from Texas, laugh at the hick, laugh at the redneck, laugh at the Texan, you know, laugh at the cowboy, the New York elite, the coastal liberal elite. It's all a big joke to them. If you didn't go to an Ivy League school or you're not a coastal elite or your family doesn't have, you know, one hundred million dollars, you're scum to these people. And those are the people that make up the television media. Those are the people that make up the halls of Congress. It's uh, a bunch of spoiled, rotten brats, quite frankly. Uh, and and I and I'll never forget one of the first times I went to D.C. Uh, as a member of the media, and I go to Trump International, and um, I, I you know, like you said, I'm just I'm really just a normal guy. I I, I really kind of just hate politics. I just want to save the world from these demons, but. I show up at Trump international and I'm wearing a pair of jeans and a polo shirt. And all the DC politicos are in their dress suits with their ties and their nice jackets. And, you know, I've got my polo and jeans on and I got about four or five looks and comments like, Oh, like who's this guy in jeans at Trump international. Like, Oh, I was just like, man, you know, so much more made sense to me after experiencing that. Not not just about the entire political world, but even about Alex Jones and InfoWars. And it's like, yeah, thank God Alex didn't go to New York. Thank God Alex didn't go to D.C. Thank God Alex didn't go to L.A. These people suck. Nobody would ever want to hang out with these people. They're jerks. They're rude. Uh, they're entitled. And, and, and that is nothing like what I have been around my whole life. That is nothing like the people that work at InfoWars and that we hang out with are like, it's it's the coastal, liberal, political elite uh, with their heads borne up their asses and a silver spoon in their mouth. But uh, no, I mean, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. I uh, started, really, I started working in media, actually, as a kid. I remember at grade school, I found out quickly, we, asked that we used to do the morning announcements, and uh, each student would get a chance to do the morning announcements for a week. I think they pulled your name out of a hat or something, but I, uh, little old rebel rouser, was smart enough to realize, oh, they're going to put me in charge of the morning announcements. If I go as long as possible, I won't have to go to class. Well, they pretty much figured out my shtick on day two when I was reading out literally every professional scoring line that I could find in the paper. I was just sitting there reading everything from the paper, and they realized, okay, you're just trying to delay school from starting. So I always kind of had a little bit of a niche for pressing buttons and doing things differently in the media. Uh, In high school, I was part of the, uh, I would say, co-founding group. I don't want to say I was a co-founder, but there was a group of us that started uh, at at my high school, CBC High School in St. Louis. We started what is now their morning news announcements, KCBC. It was uh, myself and a couple other colleagues that started that in 2007, and now it's a staple every day. KCBC News. I was also uh I thought I was going to be a writer at that time. I was more into writing even though I was doing some video work, but I thought I would be a writer at that time. And then I wrote uh I was the senior editor my senior year at the uh, turret, the school paper. And then uh, in college I was a uh, I was the senior editor for 2 years in college at uh, the current, which is the University of Missouri St. Louis's paper. So I always thought that writing would kind of be my destiny. And, um, but then I I, kind of, I kind of got sick of writing, because I did so much of it, I think, in high school and college. And I got a break in in talk radio media when I was 21 years old. And this was on a couple St. Louis stations. And I just fell in love. I, I, I always loved talk radio as a member of the audience. But once I got behind the scenes and saw how it worked, I, I fell in love with it. And I knew I wanted to be a talk show host by the age of, I would say, 21 or 22. And um, I was already producing multiple shows going on air when I was 21 and 22. And I don't remember when I first got my own show. I think I was maybe 24 when I first had my own show at a local station there. Um, but yeah, I was, was working in sports media, mostly had my foot in about uh, as many doors as I could in the sports media world, just not sure which direction I would choose to go in my life. And then, uh, I guess you could say I took the red pill sports was no longer, uh, as, as interesting as it once was. And I took a pivot into politics, started doing my own thing and, uh, eventually got noticed and picked up by InfoWars and the rest, as they say, is history.
1: Yeah, you have a great story. And I I'll never forget, you know, first time we uh were on air together, I remember you had just had uh, some major dental work. <laughs> you were in pain. And <laughs> oh, yeah, I had my
2: tooth knocked out, I think.
1: That's right. It was you were in pain. And uh we did a three hour show. It was your show. And uh anyway, it was a, a veterans call in. And I remember thinking, I'm oh, this guy, this guy, I asked you, I said, you want me to bring the show? You want me to talk a little? No, no, I got this. I got it. You know, and you were just, you were just hanging tough, but th- that's the, um, you have the professionalism and the spirit. And I've always appreciated that about you. And, um, you know, I know what you've been through. Um, it's a, it's an amazing story and you've still got a lot to tell. I mean, you're young. I mean, I'm 10 years older than you, Owen. And um, I've been around the block a time or two to met a lot of people. I think you're uh, you're a difference maker uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, again, we don't have to agree on everything for for politics. But you know, I want to go back to, you know, you've got uh, this big rise at Infowars. Then, of course, uh, Trump comes along in, in, in 2016, uh, kind of just upsets the entire uh, political establishment. Uh, I mean, even even today in alt media, there's a line drawn between. Uh, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, you know, all this stuff that's still going on. Even, you know, you have the QAnon crowd and all that. But, you know, I, I, just quick thoughts before we close. Um, you, know, you look at 2020, you look at the election. Um, I think you had like the most uh, watched uh, video in InfoWars, and uh, that's on dot video, the one that you did with Pachinik and the Watermark and all that. And that was talked about the other day, uh, the recent story with uh, – Clarence Thomas's wife. She was sharing that around. I think with Mark Meadows. So I mean, you you you've been seen by a lot of people. What what would you say are the lessons learned from the from the last uh, from the Trump presidency, and then of course in in the election itself? Where where are you going forward? Do you, do you see yourself? Would you be would um, would you be available to even? Uh, get behind a political campaign again? Are you are you still there? Are you just kind of beyond that now? Where, I mean, it, there's no right or wrong answer. I don't, I'm not trying to box you in anywhere. I just wanted to get what's your take because you live through this. You have like on the front lines of of the election and and even the aftermath of that. What what are you? What are the lessons you learned from it?
2: Well, I would say I've definitely learned a lot. I've definitely learned a lot of lessons, not just as a professional in media. Um, but I've learned a lot of lessons. I think just, you know, I, I really, I'm kind of new to politics. I would even say, I mean, I, I didn't really switch to politics, um, you know, from being a sports guy my whole life. I mean, literally didn't watch a minute of news my entire life, probably till I was like 24. So I haven't even really been following politics 10 years yet. So I'm still learning a lot about that. You know, I try to learn history every day. Um, you know, as far as getting behind a political campaign, I think, you know, I think it just has a lot to do with gut instincts, I think is, is really the key factor there. And and a lot of that just has faith in in God and and just praying for God's guidance and just trusting, you know, the paths that God puts forward and the doors that God opens and and just the instincts of of knowing what to do and what's right. So to put that into a practical example, you know, my instincts were with Trump from day one. You know, my instincts, as soon as I saw Trump come down the elevator and make his speech and then slowly watching more and more of what he says and then debates, my instincts were just this is the guy. This is the this is going to be the guy that's going to take on uh, the establishment as I see it right now. And and so my instincts were right on that. And the danger of getting behind political campaigns um, is that because this has happened a couple of times, it's just you don't know the individual, right? So you just, you don't know the individual, you know, their campaign, you know, their public presence, but it's hard to know the individual. And so a couple of times individuals end up being not such good people or um, you know, they get involved in things that end up being bad things. So uh, but it's not, it's, it's not too much of a worry of mine. I'm, I'm going to stick with my gut instincts when it comes to that. I'm going to promote the people that my gut instincts tell me is good and um, I'm gonna go against the people that are clearly bad, and i'm gonna I'm gonna be skeptical of the people that my instincts tell me to be skeptical of uh you know the the other crazy thing too is uh, and this is more of a professional thing, you know when you just go to day to day there's 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 so many things, and I imagine I mean I make sports analogies all day long. mean you can go back and watch a sporting event and say, "Man, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong and, and feel bad about it," or you can say hey, I'm going to do that better next time. And so that's kind of how I like to look at it. Uh, if I make mistakes, which we all do, and I, I make mistakes on air, and I'll, I'll correct them if it's a factual thing or if I yeah, I wish I would have said that differently or approached that differently or not done that that way. Uh, you know, I try not to let it linger. And I just think, oh, okay, let's, let's take that. Let's learn from that and let's be better. So, uh, you know, there's professional learning lessons all the time. And I think, you know, for myself, uh, I'm, I'm still slowly, but surely learning a lot more about politics, but you know, it's sad. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got, and this is uh, one of my biggest mentors growing up in media is a guy I worked for, for, uh, for uh, five years in St. Louis. He said, Owen, he said, you want to make it in the media. You need to find a void and fill it, find a void and fill it. And and it was like he said that to me and it just everything made sense in my mind. It Just find a void and fill it. Well, there's not many people telling the truth in the media. I mean, that's pretty big of a a void right there, specifically when it came to politics and then with Trump. So I filled that void and I continue to try to fill that void to this day. But it's it's actually amazing to think. I mean, I'm still kind of now, granted, I'm like, I'm I'm probably diagnosably obsessed and nerdy when it comes to following this stuff. I mean, I literally have four screens running in my house, two talk radio shows going. I mean, you can imagine it's just all incoming. So I'm learning quickly, and I'm and I'm learning in a very wide scope. But uh, it's incredible for me to think that I haven't even been following politics or cared about politics for ten years of my life now, and yet I'm probably more politically informed than 99% of the American media that's been doing this for decades.
1: No doubt. No doubt. I mean, uh, again, you know, you've always been uh, with me and I, with your reporting, I watched you for, for many years. You've always been an honest broker. Uh, I know your audience is lucky to have you. Alex is very lucky to have you. Uh, You're, you're a, a loyal soldier. We've seen that through everything you've gone through and, Hey, hopefully you'll get your Twitter back, you know, uh, with Elon Musk buying, t- hopefully we'll get, a we'll get Owen back on Twitter. Uh, I was, uh, hey, when you followed me a few years ago, hey, Owen followed me. I, I always felt that was great. Then they banned you. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to get you back on Twitter for sure. Um, before I let you go, uh, there's only two people that I ever gave uh, airborne wings to. One was my dad when I graduated airborne school at Fort Benning. And the other was uh, was Owen Schroyer live on air. I gave you a pair of of, of sterling silver uh, airborne wings, and the reason I brought that up, Owen, is because uh, I decided when I was doing I do the Burn radio transmission, which is live, and I, I broke it down to two days a week. I do Mondays and Fridays, kind of bookends. I'm, I'm on a few different stations, and I'll always do that show. I've gone back and forth between you know uh, weekly show, weekday shows, and all that, and and it's it's a bit much with running my shop and as busy as I've gotten. So I decided to do an audio-only podcast, kind of deep dives and interviews. By the way, you're the first interview. And I decided to name it uh uh Paratruther. I'm a paratruther. What do you think about that, Owen, before I let you go?
2: You're always good with the alliterations, the art, and <laughs> yes. now the paratruther. I like that.
1: I'm glad you approve. I was thinking uh, I was trying to come up with something catchy. I was talking to Melissa, and I'm like, I was, you know, former paratruther. I think
2: that, I think that your fellow... uh your fellow military brats and military members will get a bigger kick out of that one. I think others might take a second to get what you're communicating.
1: Well, I, uh, yeah, maybe, but you know, uh, we've, I've already got an audience built in. I've been, uh, we'll have to have you over on America Unplugged sometime. I do that with Billy Ray Valentine and, and Don Jeffries on, on Saturdays over on Rockfin and Rockfin uh, would be a great channel for you as well. But um, Hey, bef- just let people know, I know you're doing the war room, uh, 3 p.m. Central Times, all, and it's three hours a day, weekdays over on band.video, uh, InfoWars.com. Um, you got any new projects coming up or anything I should know about?
2: No, not right now. There's some things that are kind of sitting in the hopper that InfoWars is going to be announcing. And then I've got some things in the hopper where I'm just kind of waiting for my legal stuff to clear up before I can really move any of these other endeavors along. Uh, and then there's some other legal stuff, but, uh, you know, right now I'm really just focused on doing, uh, my political activism that I'm allowed to do here locally. Cause I'm not allowed to travel thanks to, uh, the government. Uh, but, uh, and then, and then my radio show. So we just, we just direct everybody to band.video and go to my channel to find all my coverage. And it's a growing platform. It, it gets bigger every day. We've got, um, you know, InfoWars has its 10 hours of live programming, and I'm, I'm really proud to be the uh, kind of the, the final door closing on InfoWars live streams every day.
1: Well, I, I, I love the show. Uh, I always enjoyed hosting and uh, I love the InfoWars crew and, and people. You won't find better people. So I'm um, always uh, proud of my time uh, that I spent over in InfoWars. And ladies and gentlemen, Owen Schroyer, a great guy. Watch his show. Support him over on band.video. Hopefully, we can have you back soon, Owen.
2: Absolutely, and hopefully, I'll see you soon, too.
1: Yes, and I wanted to say, you know, you're always welcome to be here in Branson. we got, you know, my land in Northwest Arkansas. You can come camp. You could do a working vacay. I've got a full studio, Owen. You could broadcast here from the WiseWolfGold com studios anytime you want, my friend. I appreciate the offer. We'll have you back, and we'll talk again very soon. Thanks for being with us, Owen. Thank you.
0: Life is a continuous confrontation with forks in the road. One is good, one is bad. And you could always wander completely off the road altogether and become lost. Totally and completely lost. If you take the wrong fork at one of these junctions, there is always the opportunity at the next fork to get back on track. But it is a constant battle within ourselves. You see, I have studied this concept for many, many years. And I have to tell you that if there is a real devil, like Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. I'm not telling you that there's no such thing as Satan or Lucifer. I'm telling you this. If there really is a devil, that devil exists in the hearts and minds of men and nowhere else. Nowhere else. For if you take man out of the equation, evil ceases to exist. And there is left only the laws of the universe and the balance of nature. Put man in the equation and before long, evil will rear its ugly head and present itself to the world. The evil is within man, and that is why it was called the fall. The devil never made anyone do it. If you do it, you did it yourself because you fell into temptation. For until man once again confronts the real nature of his own condition and of the world around him and accepts full responsibility for his actions without blaming anyone else or any devil, until then we will always be a puppet on the end of someone else's string. And ladies and gentlemen, when that someone pulls that string, we will dance.